It's my reflection on how Western society acted during the pandemic response to coronavirus and individual attitudes that emerged from the lockdowns that is where the title of this podcast, Origins, are properly credited. Truth is, the sad constant of the human condition as a society is in our failings towards each other. There is a growing concept of the need to have uncomfortable conversations, and the starting point ought to be that as individuals, we aren't even equipped to have them. Secondarily, as individuals, more likely to avoid having those conversations than want to participate in them. That is not telling everyone that your opinion is the only available correct answer in order to start an actual conversation. The Chicago Blackhawks are one of the Central Division teams I cover in this hockey podcast. The main person to put in focus for this edition is Kyle Beach, the former Chicago top draft pick prospect who this past week had the courage to come out and identify himself as the John Doe and victim of sexual abuse by former Chicago Blackhawks video coach Brad Aldridge in 2010. I'm going to read Kyle Beach's Twitter statement on October 28, 2021. This is his words. I have immense gratitude for the outpouring of endless love and support that has come through within the past 48 hours. Although the results of the private investigation have been released and the Blackhawks have apologized, my battle is really just beginning as the Blackhawks continue to attempt to destroy my case in court. While I take this time to reflect and continue the healing process, it is a reminder that it is not about me as an individual. This is to promote open communication that will facilitate change for the future, to promote safety as well as health and well-being for society as a whole. Thank you. The courage of Kyle Beach through this time can't be overstated in his coming forward. In his remarks, what sticks with me is how Kyle Beach's understanding to bring light of what did happen is not solely about him, but the effort to not have it repeated. On a societal big picture view, it's the failure to not repeat awful things happening to individuals and groups that we all share as members of society of not doing enough to prevent. Words, my own included, as this is a podcast, don't replace action. It is said the primary reason to learn our history is to not repeat it. We aren't humbly, in my opinion, good at this. Where the constant mostly is, we see more bad things happen quicker than as society we fix the problems and failures we have previously done. Specific to Kyle Beach and the Chicago Blackhawks, the full independent investigation findings of the team's internal review were publicly released in a report that can be found attached with the apology on NHL.com at the Blackhawks team page. There is the Kyle Beach interview on his identifying himself as the victim of former Chicago video coach Brad Aldridge, all which is simply best described as disgusting as it is uncomfortable.
Some of the best journalism done related to this investigation provided by Katie Strang, Rick Westhead, and Mark Lazarus. The level to which you want to be informed and to what details is your personal choice. What I do want to say is I should not be, nor am I, the primary source for information on these events. This podcast is my passion project for my love of the game of hockey. It was developed because I felt watching a single NHL team and its coverage left me with bias and less objectivity, and that maybe I could, by paying more attention to the teams in a whole division, gain a better perspective of the game itself. The NHL, with 32 teams, quite honestly, is too big for one person to cover fully. I didn't think I would be talking about something of this nature yet when I started this podcast, yet here we are. I'm not funded nor employed by a media outlet, not requested team media accreditation for any of the NHL teams covered. Therefore, I don't have that level of media access to those organizations. I don't have official podcast sponsors, although there is a minimal monetization set up through Sounder for ads that do play dependent on some but not all of the variety of platforms this podcast is available to listen to on. It's to let you know that it's practically no money that has actually been made doing this podcast to date. It's that limited. It's debatable as to my level of hockey expertise. I am a creative communications grad from Red River College, so I do have some background in media. What I am not an expert on is a topic of abuse of any kind. I am not the most informed source on this specific case, I want to thank you to the listeners who have enjoyed the coverage of Central Division Hockey, the podcast, and with it, the opportunity that lets me express myself on the game I'm passionate about, which may be one of your favorite teams. I wasn't doing this podcast in 2010. I am doing it in 2021, and that's when this investigation by the Blackhawks, one of the teams the podcast covers, has come to light. To say nothing about it is a disservice to those who do listen and for anyone that would listen going forward. We really don't want as much as we say we need to have uncomfortable conversations to actually have them. This abuse case and how it was handled is an example of how not to. But there are far and away many more examples, sadly, and this hockey culture of winning over players' well-being is a microcosm for Western society on the whole, when often we find ourselves as a society picking some individuals over the well-being of others to win essentially by any means necessary. And by no means is this mutually exclusive even to one sport, one business, or one mechanism of society for how as individuals we are ill-equipped to handle and improve things for the better good when it comes to abuse. In fact, hockey fans and sports fans would want to describe their consumption of pro-level sports probably as a form of distraction from the difficulties of our job and the day-to-day grind to have a home team to cheer for and something to celebrate that, because it involves actual people, becomes inherent with our flaws within it. And sports will have moments where real-life situations will actually spoil some of that joy 
or obliterate it completely, worst case, for some fans. In this day of instant social media, instant response, and quite honestly, where the court of public opinion makes demands and wants instant response, the idea of not having a comment instantly is seen as guilt. And that had me thinking there are certainly a lot of people who like to put themselves on a pedestal of their inherent good and the idea of being seen as on the right side of history. And that, though I wouldn't know where to start in fixing society and its individual winning culture, not exclusive to sports, being the best at anything in sport or otherwise, is the root of the problem. We have built a win-at-all-costs Western society. Collectively, everyone in whatever they can be better at within their family, friends, work, and community needs to be better to everyone around them. And simply, more times than not, as the coronavirus pandemic showed us, our own individual wants and needs are the lone top priority, and when that comes at odds with others... People choose their wants and their well-being often over others. There is no we are all in this together, and we've got recorded history that confirms it, and we, sorry, are no further ahead in 2021 than we quite honestly have been at any time before this. How sports at any level, including professional sports, move forward is a good needed discussion amongst a lot of needed discussions pro sports amateur sports the olympics and so on the culture of winning can't be the primary goal a safe environment to participate in at the amateur level and a safe workplace for the players professionally has to start being the primary focus however as i listen to takes on how chicago rebuilds after this disturbing cover-up the letter to the fan stakeholders included this nugget from the Chicago Blackhawks, and I quote, We intend to win championships without ever compromising our integrity. The intention is still on the focus of winning. If I don't share my thoughts on this, silence especially is being complicit, and I firmly believe that is true. So even with the most limited voice we may have, we should try to speak out against the things we feel are wrong and try to make things better, even in our own small way. Even that is easier said than done. But the act of being judge and jury, especially on as social media has made it, isn't healthy. It isn't progressive. It's window dressing to boost your own feeling good that you did the right thing. Hey, look at me. And there isn't a moment where there is full agreement on how everything can be made better. Winning and what's in it for you personally often trump the collective good. The point that this Chicago organization failure to act on sexual abuse by former coach Brad Aldridge shows us is what we constantly miss the mark on. It's the action and making the right decision. And by inaction, we find that the abuse is allowed to perpetuate further causing more damage and as i said earlier to share this the primary takeaway is for it not to happen ever again that isn't a chicago blackhawk organization an nhl organization a professional sports thing it's not mutually exclusive but as i say this saying the right thing is rather mute 
if we aren't going to act better and learn when we make mistakes how not to repeat them. Now, the cover-up by senior management, the remaining ones employed by the team in Chicago, including GM Stan Bowman, have resigned, pretty much asked to resign. The former head coach at the time, Joel Quinville, coaching in Florida, has also resigned from his NHL team duties. Requests are being made to the league to have Brad Aldridge's name removed from the Stanley Cup as he should be. None of this brings back what Kyle Beach had taken from him by Brad Eldridge. A quicker response wouldn't have done that either. Fact is, it could have prevented further harm to others, and that should have consequences. Was the league's $3 million fine to Chicago to a billionaire organization harsh enough? No, that's barely any financial punishment who the league fired essentially through resignations, is that enough? It's probably not either. If actions were taken to have the teams address this as soon as they happen going forward, that would be one good thing we could hope can come from all of this. The failure in the handling of this, that Brad Aldridge remained with the team and quietly departed to be able to further perpetrate acts after doing so to Beach, that's the inaction that requires consequences and, agreeably, people losing their jobs over. The NHL as an organization has made those decisions, not all of which I may agree with. My choice to do a podcast about NHL hockey, or even to just to watch hockey or attend a game, is my available decision to be a fan of the NHL or to cover it. And I can be critical in my coverage of it. This reminds us NHL hockey is big business. It's not just a game, and it can both positively and negatively affect people in real life. The hockey community should recall the junior coach case of Graham James and his abuse of players, several who went on to play in the NHL, as disgusting as this. And that teachable moment of past history existed prior to learn something from when presented with another sexual abuse issue how to respond better sadly that didn't happen now did it to be clear as much vetting for pre-hiring practice as possible one could do individuals will slip through that do awful things there's no one fix-all cure in this for sport nor society at large However, I'm all for putting those mechanisms in place. Likewise, the response time to it when it does occur and the consequences of it, however, can be improved. There is just enough historical reference that society as a whole fails most on learning from our past mistakes most. It's slow to implement change to better protect one another, really, essentially from each other. We now see another example with the Chicago senior management of how not to handle it. When it happens again in any sport or any business situation, will anyone have learned to be better from this case? We'll see. No amount of money or settlement gives back what was taken from Kyle Beach, like we can say for Sheldon Kennedy before him. The response time in addressing it doesn't seem to have improved in either case as well. 
Now, additionally, while those of you are passing judgment on your fellow human beings' failings, appreciate how ill-equipped we are for handling them, not as an excuse, but acknowledgement that we all have to find ways to be better in our own daily life, in our own jobs and community. It's far better to look at how I can be a better person than to be holier than thou about others' failings. Only current Winnipeg GM Kevin Dayoff, the lone executive then assistant Chicago GM in the meeting that has been made public that led to an action on former video coach Brad Aldritz not being fired immediately. He's the only one that the NHL did not ask to step down from his current role. That isn't sitting well, I'm sure, with a lot of fans in Winnipeg or around the National Hockey League. At what point organizationally have you purged those responsible because the overwhelming feeling I get is at its extreme, basically the calls are to fold the entire organization, or maybe the league. Imagine this was your place of employment, but you work in the ticket sales department. You think you should be out of work? The perspective in Western society is, does it affect you at all first? Think about this lockdown example. Some people are churchgoers and wanted to go in person to church during a pandemic and felt that right was above health and safety. Close everything but the church. Some people, fitness is their religion, so keeping gyms open during a pandemic for mental and physical health was above health and safety. Both groups are wrong in feeling above health and safety for the entire community. But when it's something that directly affects you, often that is what you want to be the exception to the rule, but definitely shut everything else down. Back to another human part in this. The teammates of Kyle Beach in 2010, some who remain playing, including in Chicago. The remaining players are under a lot of heat. Former Blackhawk player Brent Sopel has been outspoken that he was a player that tried to get action at the time, and he says players on the team were aware of it. And if the organization wasn't acting on it, the players have the NHL Players Association and a team player rep that directly with the NHL Players Association should have demanded it out of their sole mandate of protecting the players they represent that they also failed to get action to terminate Aldridge in a timely manner. How if the NHL PA were informed and didn't support the player, I do wonder how some in that organization structure still have jobs today. To be fair, I don't know who the player rep for Chicago was at the time of this assault. It is one of the protective mechanisms in place that also fell short. As for the tainted legacy of the 2010 Cup win because of all of this, it's easy to pass judgment on the inaction of still playing players of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane in Chicago as well as current Oiler defenseman Duncan Keith or Arizona's Andrew Ladd. It is the current and most high-profile players that are getting this attention, not the retired players. Ask yourself why that is. Simply in this individualistic Western society we created to build up celebrities, sports stars included, 
to the point of idols, the same society then takes enjoyment in watching those stars and their human failings of the pressure to be perfect, not just at the game they play, but off the ice, court, field, or course, as well in their fall from grace. A retired player's fall from grace is far less dramatic than one still playing. And if that's how you find your enjoyment, shame on you. But I just think how little equipped I am to handle a situation of this nature and what level of responsibility to it if I were in a team organizationally would I have been able to done better under these circumstances. To sit here and say, oh yes, I always come to the right decision right away is rather naive to say. And I hope for improvements in a lot of things in society, but I won't sit here and say I could have, would have done better because I haven't been put in that moment that I'm admittedly ill-equipped to handle on how that response looks. Everyone can learn from this. Far fewer actually will. We don't separate the on-ice performances from the person off the ice now. But society certainly doesn't prepare young men and women for elite professional sports life off the ice or for the type of scrutiny they enter into. Patrick Kane is on the course to get the most points ever for a U.S.-born player. I believe by the time he's done his career, he'll hold that record. That will be quite an accomplishment. Some will pick and choose rightly or wrongly to put an asterisk by that accomplishment based on the perceived lack of action as a player, but it sounds like players who did act, given Sopo's public comments on his own efforts, weren't able to get results here either. Although, at the rate society's currently going, every sports record and championship win can include a lengthy list of liner notes, and we can litter all of them with asterisks because, well, everyone has flaws, I'm sure you can dig deep enough to have dirt on pretty much anyone and everyone. It's not a defense for an action, but there's a lot of people who don't like certain star players or celebrities for no particular reason at all, and they sure do enjoy when they have something to attach to those people negatively. And how is that making society better? I'm going to continue with my passion hockey project, this podcast, that does include a franchise that has an opportunity now to do better going forward. This specific edition isn't a podcast I wanted to do, even imagined actually talking about, on a topic I feel less equipped to talk on. But it is another time where everyone can learn to be better from an awful event in our time. It can't be left unsaid. That's the hard part of having uncomfortable conversations. We are not equal in our ability to make things better. We do share in being better in the ways in which we can be, no matter what our situation is. In Kyle Beach's interview, he spoke about failing to do enough to prevent Brad Aldridge's next victim from being hurt. If you want one thing to have as a takeaway from this, Beach's on that is the most important one. That is my takeaway. While you can't prevent every bad thing from happening, quick response can in some cases prevent more bad things from happening.
This is Central Division Hockey, the podcast. I'm Tim Bigelow. I put the current Chicago team's most recent games in this podcast. Chicago named Kyle Davidson as the interim GM of the team after the resignations following the independent report's findings. Originally, the plan was to have this podcast up prior to Chicago's game Friday, and it simply required more time. A number of players were put onto the CPRA list, most notably Patrick Kane, but it did include Captain Jonathan Taves, but he did get off the list in time to play Wednesday. Chicago scored first for the first time, holding a lead on Kirby Docks off the rush power play short side glove goal. Chicago defenseman Seth Jones stretched pass to Alex Debrinkit, extended the lead as he beat Toronto goalie Jack Campbell, short side blocker, on a breakaway. Toronto cut the lead in the second from the center slot, a backhand roof shelf goal beat Chicago goalie Kevin Lankinen. A minute into the third, Chicago's Debrinkit rings the post on a power play. Later, Chicago's Philip Kurashev gets a goalie interference penalty driving to the net. Chicago's Debrinkit has another post on a breakaway, cutting across the paint with a deke move. Former Chicago player Toronto's David Camp spins a backhander blocker side to tie the game in the third and force overtime. A minute in, Chicago's Doc makes a defensive zone clear away however toronto wins it on william nylander's breakaway five hole overtime game winning goal that prevents chicago from getting its first win of the season chicago had their best start to a game this season and in building up a lead however toronto chipped away and had a strong third period to get the game into extra time and ended up winning. Neither team was particularly good start to finish, kind of watching two teams expected to have better starts try and figure out how to win. Toronto shot Chicago 40-29 in the game, but mostly were even other than the third period shot advantage for Toronto. This was a game Chicago needed to find a way to win, had every opportunity to win, had a good start to the game, and didn't end up winning. Friday against Carolina on the road, Chicago held a 1-0 and a 2-1 lead before falling 6-3 as the undefeated Kane simply pulled away. Chicago's Jonathan Taves won a battle to get the puck net front and pass it to Brandon Hagel who scored from the slot. 58 seconds later, a Carolina 2-on-1 goal beats Chicago goalie Kevin Lankinen his second straight start to tie the game. Chicago would get a power play goal, Adam Gaudet's first as a Blackhawk, with a backhander through traffic. Right after a Chicago penalty kill, Carolina scores net side. 15 seconds later, a Carolina goal from down low on the goal line that is taken to the net front and tucked in five hole. Actually, former Arizona Coyote, Derek Steffen. Before the first ended, another Carolina 2-on-1 goal, giving Carolina a 4-2 lead after one. In the second, a Carolina power play goal as Sebastian Ajo goes to pass. He hits a Chicago defender, and then when the puck comes back to him, decides to take a shot and score on the broken play. Next, a shot from the corner in Chicago's defensive zone goes off Chicago defenseman Jake McCabe's skate net front and into the Chicago net. Chicago's Tyler Johnson gets cross-checked by Carolina's Vincent Trocek into another cane and leaves the game in the second period, 6-2 Carolina through two. In the third, Chicago's Reese Johnson off a Chicago defensive zone face-off backs out to center ice to fight with Carolina's Tony D'Angelo. 
Chicago's Connor Murphy cross-checks Carolina's Trocek from behind. Chicago's Alex Debrinkit scores a power play goal off the rush, far side blocker on Carolina goalie Antiranta. A late-minute Chicago goal is reviewed and determined to not be a good goal due to goalie interference. While Chicago's power play scored twice, they had eight power play chances in which to get those two, while Carolina was one for three. The up-tempo speed by Carolina resulted in poor defensive decision-making for odd-man rushes that Carolina made Chicago pay for. It was a rough game, and still Carolina, before the first had ended, Carolina had put themselves in control of the scoreboard and were dictating the play for the remainder of the game. Chicago and Arizona, both Central Division teams, remain in the search for their first win of this regular season. Chicago 0-6-2, two points, is seventh, but also second last in the NHL heading into Saturday's games, only having one more point than Arizona, meaning one more overtime shootout loss than Arizona does to be a point ahead of the bottom of the standings. Tonight, Chicago play in St. Louis 5-1-0 against Central Division leading Blues, who are missing Captain Ryan O'Reilly and Brandon Saad to the CPRA list. Chicago has a longer list that, in addition to notables, Patrick Kane, CPRA list, and Tyler Johnson, undisclosed, won't be able to play. It's anticipated Marc-Andre Fleury will play in net for Chicago and Jordan Bennington will start for St. Louis. It's back-to-back games for Chicago. While St. Louis last played Thursday, it'll be the first head-to-head games between the two divisional teams this season. Look for the Monday edition of the podcast when we recap Saturday and Sunday games for all the teams in the division and look at the games that begin in November.